0: Welcome to 2Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Pittsburgh 28 to nothing. back Back-to-back shoutouts, Robbie. How are you feeling?
1: Incredible. I know I used that word a lot last time, uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm mocking myself with that. So, I feel great. It was awesome. I went to the game. We had a blast. The weather was horrific, but overall, couldn't be happier.
0: The last time I went to a VT Pittsburgh game, it was that, I think, 2015 game where we got 100 yards of offense and just was miserable, miserable weather. You had a much better result. (laughs) Why don't you give us a
1: cheers? It's going to be cliche, but what else am I going to do? Back to back donuts for Bud Foster. The team is getting better and better each and every week. He's coaching his butt off. And all of the stories that come out every week. I love reading them, whether it's on message boards, seeing tweets about him, just how grateful Bud is to the fan base and how much he appreciates what he gets to do on a day-to-day basis and looking forward to him finishing off this season in a great way and then moving on and doing some fishing and living life with his family. So I don't know who else I could possibly cheers other than him and maybe... Oscar Bradburn for getting the slight on uh, on not getting into the final three for um, for the Regard Award. So that that's that's brutal. But I think it's going to have to be Bud. Cheers.
0: The season's not even over. How do they have the finalists for this award already picked out? It's so annoying.
1: I don't even understand. Does, is he still leading? The, he didn't have. The greatest. Now game. he's
0: not anymore. I don't think because uh, he had a lot of punts and his average was in the thirties. Um, even though we had like three down inside the twenty, you can only go so far depending on your field position. But yeah, he he dropped down a little bit. But that that it was part of partially the vote, right? And I don't know, but to pick it before you even play your rivalry games or ACC title game, who knows? It just seems silly, but awards are kind of silly in general we have a great punter we love oscar uh so yeah that stinks that he didn't get to be a finalist but we will move on let's start with those news and notes the ap poll is out we're number 23 we moved up a couple spots and i'm waiting to see what happens tomorrow night with the college football playoff rankings i would assume that we
1: will be in there somewhere in the 20s I imagine prob- it's weird for us to do this because normally we record tomorrow night. So they they always get released right before we record. But given the short week, we want to get it out a day earlier so everybody can listen. And with the holiday coming up, I think that will probably be... We were out. We were in the AP a week ago, and then we just missed or probably just missed. So I would think if we're at 23 in the AP, we'll probably come in at 25, Maybe in the college football, Something like that, yeah. A couple spots because back.
0: our Pitt's probably our best win now. I mean, Pitt and Wake, Wake's the best win, I suppose, on paper. It depends on how the committee views this stuff. We don't have any idea, but Wake and Pitt are
1: two good wins. But I don't, I don't think the playoff committee cares that much once they get past fifteen or whatever it is. If they were actually doing and putting as much work into. The whole kind of one through 25, they should be taking into account the injury during the Notre Dame game, just like they are with all these other teams. Utah, they're talking about the injuries that happened when they lost to USC, you know, Tua taking that into account. They should be taking into account that we lost by one point without our starting quarterback
0: what we'd have going for us is unlike some other teams, because you can't just look at every one loss, uh, one point loss across the country, because that would get outrageous. But you look at Virginia Tech and the winning streak, if we were able to finish it off. And I think then you're like, oh, and the only game they lost was a one pointer when they didn't have their starting quarterback. Like that's when it would actually play into their mind frame. So yeah, we might get some favorable consideration. The only reason that this is kind of a topic is when you get into this, Selection for bowl games where you're slotted, then the CFP rankings can matter. If we win the coastal, I would think as long as wake didn't show up ahead of us in the CFP rankings, we would get the orange bowl bid. And it's highly unlikely since we beat wake head to head that they would be ahead of us. So, we know what's on the line here. <laughs> it, it's a game against UVA coming up. It's a spot in the Orange Bowl coming up, regardless of what would happen against Clemson potentially. So it, it's an exciting time. We're That's why we're talking about the rankings. Uh, but, again, we have more work to do, and we're going to get into that UVA matchup a little bit later. We had some great news on the hardwood tonight, Robbie. It was an early happy hour matchup at 5 p.m., out in Maui, we played Michigan State, the number three team in the country, and Mike Young and the Hokies pulled off the victory. We were you able to watch the game?
1: I only got to watch probably the last eight minutes of the game, and that was on my phone. The TV was occupied with whatever my daughter was watching <laughs> prior to, to the life her of going to bed. Yeah. Uh, I can't keep up with all the shows at this point, but it was nothing uh, as good as what... So I had to watch it on my phone, sitting on the couch with with her and got to... I was, I was nervous. I got to tell you, and I think I've said this before, I can't do basketball. The swings are so dramatic. In, in football, you get a feel for a game and you kind of can get a sense of how it's going to play out. Sometimes there's like crazy things that happen, but more often than not, you, it's it's not as insane... Basketball, we're up by ten, and then all of a sudden it was down to you know a three-point lead. I think it got down to you know BD missing some of the <laughs> the free throws at the end. It's just too much for me. It happens yeah, too quickly.
0: It is tough to take emotionally sometimes. Yeah, we did get the lead up to ten. They whittled it down, and it was just a, a question of us holding on for dear life. And the combination of Nolly and Beatty willed us to victory. Now, I'm going to let BD's missed free throws slide because he made one each time enough to keep us out in front, and he made some great plays on the other end, getting rebounds and defense. And Nolly with that three-point dagger uh, late in the game, oh, man. That kid, 22 points for him. We won 71-66 by five points. Uh, And now we get a chance to play Dayton, and we're going to keep going if we can win. You know, And at the end of this thing, it would be potentially Kansas on the table. Dayton is very good. And they beat Georgia, who has what a lot of people consider the number one prospect in the NBA draft. And that kid did not play well. Um, so, And Dayton's a good team. So we got But we're playing with house money at this point anyway. I mean, no one, before the season, when we hired Mike Young, whatever, no one expected us to beat Michigan State. I cannot believe that we're undefeated and we just beat the number three team in the country. It is awesome.
1: Yeah, the, I think Beattie at the end had three rebounds. He is not a big dude. And I think he had three rebounds right at the end because he got fouled on each of those three plays, came out of nowhere to get those. And the three-pointer, I you and I were talking about it, the three-pointer or the field goal where uh, Landers now drives and slips yeah. through everybody. I don't know which of those was more difficult, but obviously the three-pointer was ice in the veins just... He he said it, and he said he wanted to be the most impactful freshman in the nation. I think he probably is. I, I haven't watched the college football basketball landscape as well as maybe you have or others have, but I doubt there's anybody out there doing what he's doing.
0: He's he's going
1: to make a case to be you
0: know freshman of the year for sure. And four of six from three in this game for Nolly. Uh, and I love how we're doing this thing on Twitter now when the opposing team posts like the final picture of the game, like its final score, that everyone posts the headshot of Nolly in the replies. And it's happened. Clemson, it keeps happening in every game. And it just happened in the Michigan State game, too. It's probably the best thing that VT Twitter is doing right now is that the posting of Nolly's face. Sometimes it's the Nolly trolley, sometimes it's just his head, but it's the funniest freaking thing.
1: I don't know who started. I think it might have been Joe. I'm almost positive when it first happened against Clemson. I thought the first reply was, I want to give credit. I don't credit know
0: if it was credit- Joe. I, I, saw, I think Barrick was the first one that like pointed it out to me, but I don't know if he was the first
1: one that posted. Either way, um, it's hilarious. It's yeah. so great.
0: All right. We will we will move on from that just to talk a little bit of other VT sports success. Uh, VT wrestling beat... Number two, Ohio State last week was three, that right? Was it? Three, Ohio three, number State. Number three. Okay, mm. that was a huge win. Ohio State is one of the best wrestling programs in the country. Has the best facilities for wrestling almost in the country. Uh, men's soccer advanced in the NCAA tournament. It's it, it's a feel good time right now for Virginia Tech sports. We have had a great week and a half, uh, and we're hoping in a couple more days to to really put our mark on this fall against UVA. The Pickem winner was Dakota Bannon and Andrew Mann. They both tied at f- with for first with 12 correct. Robbie had 11, I had 10. Uh, I guess it was kind of a, a a well-scoring week uh for the most part. Jonathan May is still in first overall. Jason Maliski and Michael Domobil are tied for second. There's only one week left. I'm pretty sure this is the last week coming up.
1: I'm so mad. I'm in 7th place. <laughs> I, I can't believe it you could use it, another six points right now, couldn't you? <laughs> I'm six points behind and i I missed week two it, it's uh it's gone well it's gone's it's gone a lot better than our picks on the podcast lately because I am a <laughs> dumpster fire at this point uh I started so well and it's just fallen off from 60 yeah, percent all was, the way down to like 46 percent somehow
0: I was all proud of myself for the 10. And of course, you got eleven to one up me. So it's uh, I I I can't that the pickem is just it's not my year. I still have ninety picks correct, which you know I'm I'm like in twentieth place or something like that. But there's just, there's so many people below me that have like a zero week, and and that's the thing. If you want to do the pickem next year. Let's, let's try to commit here, people. <laughs> let's play every week. Maybe we need to give some kind of incentive. I mean, I guess getting your name announced isn't enough incentive to play every week uh, okay. if you get first place. But maybe we need to come up with a new incentive. But, yeah, next year, make sure if you do the pick em, let's get those picks in, people. Every single week, get those picks in. All right, last news and note I had was a listener, Sean McCalla sent us a version of Tech Triumph that his old band recorded And actually, I don't know if they're still, I call it old band, but uh, he made it sound like they're not really playing together anymore, but he sent us this version of Tech Triumph and it is awesome. It's like a rock version of the song. We're going to play it at the end of the podcast and we may end up using it as our future intro or outro song or both. Uh, So I hope you enjoy that. Make sure you stick around for the end. Robbie heard it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah. When those kind of nice things happen and people are kind enough to try and be part of the podcast. You always go in a little bit suspect because you're like, wow, maybe what if we don't like this and we just have to give the the thanks. That's that's awesome. And then I played it and it was it was great. I texted you right away. I was like, this this is like a perfect outro song for the podcast. So it was very much appreciated. And I love when people get to contribute and be part of the part of the podcast and the program.
0: Yeah, I sent it to a few of my buddies and they all agreed. Like that is that is pretty sick. So
1: love the song. Thanks,
0: Sean. Let's hop into the game recap. Both defenses were playing well early. We held Pitt to three straight three and outs, and we punted twice before he fumbled to turn it over. On our fourth drive, we finally broke through with the 71-yard play to Tavion. That was such a cool play. And we scored one play later on the run with Mitchell. On the very next play from scrimmage, I should say, Ashby rushed in, forced the fumble on Pickett, there was the scoop and score by Pollard and in the blink of an eye we were up 14 nothing how were you feeling at that point i went
1: crazy but the, i can remain relatively tame in the stands mostly because when i'm at home in the basement nobody's looking at me but i always feel like an idiot when i just go ape shit for lack of a better phrase and wondering like what people are looking at now nah, i just let it all hang out on that one i just went crazy in the in the stands it was amazing it was it was so well played we had four defensemen i think in the backfield there yeah someone
0: if it wasn't pollard someone else is going to pick it up
1: (laughs) yeah and that that gets to a broader theme i have for the for the game in general is just everybody is committing nobody's relying on somebody else to get to the ball it was a thing of beauty
0: then right before the half we had a 12 play 90-yard drive. That was actually our second 90-yard drive that took 6 minutes off the clock. We scored on a touchdown on the fade pass to Trey Turner and that was just the backbreaker. 21-nothing at the half. It became clear it wasn't going to be Pitts day. We added the TD in the 4th quarter to make it 28-nothing. The backup started coming in and that's how it ended. 28-nothing final against Pittsburgh, a team that's, you know, been a thorn in our side many, many times and we just We just took him behind the woodshed, man.
1: It was a scary game going in because, like we always joke, was Pitt going to pit and play spoiler for us in this season? And we didn't let it happen. In bad weather, we controlled the ball. We had one turnover. That was it uh, in the game. I expected it to be a lot sloppier than it was, and we kept it relatively clean. The penalties weren't too bad. And a, quite honestly, a couple of those I don't agree with, and we can get into that as well. I don't think I could have asked for anything more in in that game. Bud is just on a mission to finish off his career at Virginia Tech right now.
0: I know. And that, that gif we tweeted out maybe last week about him with the – like, Rambo with the machine gun, like, that is Bud right now. Like, he absolutely is just destroying everything in his path, and it is so fun to watch – Back-to-back shutouts. We joked about it last podcast. Like, how possible is that? Is it likely? I said, what are the odds on it? Um, And I should have looked them up, and I should have put down a bet. Is what I should have done. Because, man, first back-to-back shutouts for Foster since 2005 on a team earlier this year that's given up, you know, 500 yards to Miami of all teams. Who just got embarrassed by FAU? Look what they're doing now. It it's. It continues to be so amazing. We're witnessing something truly special. I had the top five defensive performances in terms of yards given up. So we're talking 10 seasons of Virginia Tech football and two of the top five defensive performances and total yards given up have happened in the back-to-back weeks.
1: For a team that had so many questions starting off the season, the players, Bud is doing a phenomenal job but even more so than that, and we'll talk about some of the individual efforts, these guys are just bought in at this point. You can see it. They're pumped. They're juicing up the fans. They, tr- Early in the season, I will give credit to the players, they were trying to do the same thing and trying to get people up and trying to get them excited when a good play would happen. Um, but it's even more so now. They are, they're just playing at such a high level. And you can see, especially for the defense, they are just fully bought in for Bud's final season, and I hope that continues moving forward. And that'll be the the question for next year that we'll you know handle in the off season. But right now they're fully committed. It's 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 awesome to watch.
0: 177 yards was that yardage total? Only 60 yards rushing. R- remember how we talked about how the last year was the worst yards per play performance maybe in NCAA history <laughs> versus an FBS team. We gave up 10 yards per play less this year <laughs> so last year it was 13 something this year it was three something mm-hmm. an incredible turnaround <laughs> within a year we made Kenny Pickett look like garbage he did like as well as he could I guess he made a couple of plays but his QBR was 4.8 i you so rarely see a single digit QBR let alone one under five <laughs> I I know passer rating can go negative I don't think QBR can go negative, but man, he had a bad day. 10 for 26, 103 yards passing, no touchdowns and an interception that got taken away by a penalty. It's amazing how well we were able to do with only four tackles for loss and two sacks.
1: I went, when I went back through, when you're at the game live and even when you watch it, you do your rewatch of the game. It looks so much more dominant than the stats actually proved out to be. Cause I'll usually go through the stat sheet. I'll hit the offense first to pick out notables and things like that. I got to the defense, and I thought I was looking at the wrong game because it, did, it looked far more superior than I thought when I looked through the stat sheet on the defense in, in terms of the production.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: It it was it was strange to see, and honestly, I checked it. I was trying to see if I was looking at like a past year's pit game, but no, it it was the right one. So I don't think the stats really did justice to how dominant it looked on the field.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons for that was Pitt was only three of fifteen on third down and o of three on fourth down. So that's a combined sixteen point six conversion rate on third and fourth down, which is dreadful. So that's when you do that. You don't necessarily need a lot of sacks and tackles for loss if they're just screwing it up on third down every time, uh, to keep the yardage low and just to look like you're having a dominant game because we just kept getting the ball
1: back. And I think the other thing, and there's always been a lot of criticism around this stat is the passes defended is a ter it is a it's one of the worst stats tracked by in college football because of the difficulty to be accurate. Yeah. To get the number right on what passes are actually defended or contested passes. And I don't know what they had the number at, but if you remember in this game, the the, the defensive backs were everywhere. Every pass Pickett actually threw a lot of really accurate, given the weather passes that were hit guys in the hands and the cornerbacks and the safeties. It was like, boom, boom, as soon as the yeah. ball touched their hands, they got taken out by either a cornerback or safety, sometimes a, a linebacker. It was The timing was absolutely impeccable for those guys.
0: Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why Pickett's QBR was so bad that when I watched the game, I was like, he's not really doing that bad. Some receivers dropped passes. Our defensive backs were good. I don't know how that factors in to those ratings. But uh, we still, um, obviously, he still didn't play great. I, I just thought he did the best what he could going into the Lions' mouth in Lane Stadium in Bud's last game. Like, that's, it just wasn't going to go well for him. And I loved every minute of it. Certain players I wanted to point out, Ashby, uh, that force fumble was so sweet. And he's ACC Linebacker of the Week again. That's the fifth time you texted me about that saying, no other player for Tech has ever done that or I don't think linebacker any- or any player.
1: I think it was any player. I don't think anybody's ever done because as soon as that got announced, I texted you within 10 seconds and I said, fifth time, I don't think anybody's done it in the press release from Virginia tech. I'm pretty sure. And you know, the readers can go or listeners can go check it out and look for themselves. I'm pretty sure it was anytime that, that anybody's ever done it for uh, five weeks uh, out of the season, but maybe it was just for a linebacker in either case. It's incredible. He is playing. He's playing
0: well. Yeah, and you who else is playing at a ridiculous level is Chamari Connor. (laughs) That dude is everywhere. And that penalty that he got for the fifteen yarder, that was BS. The guy was not out of bounds. And if you want to call unnecessary roughness, that's one thing, but you can't really do that on a hit. Like it was just it was a bad call. Yep. Um. Yeah, the linebackers are just they're kicking so much butt. And I got this from Andy Bitter, just about the defense on the whole. Since the third quarter of the Wake Forest game, the Hokies have scored 96 unanswered points, holding opponents scoreless on 32 straight possessions.
1: That's incredible.
0: I'm going to let that sink in for the listeners just a little bit there. But that, I mean, wow. (laughs) 96 unanswered points. We're, We're going on nine quarters scoreless. And UVA poses a threat, no doubt. Better than Pitt. A lot a lot better than Pitt. A lot better than Georgia Tech. So I, I don't know how long this scoreless quarter streak or possession streak is going to go. But I have a feeling this defense is going to make it difficult on UVA. And uh, we will see what happens in that one, too. Let's talk about the offense a little before we move on.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It, it all starts with Hendon Hooker. 10 for 13, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Still no, no interceptions, a 77% completion percentage. I tweeted this out earlier today. First VT quarterback under Fuente to have a 100% completion rating in every pass under 20 yards, So, and which is amazing. So all 10 of his passes that were less than 20 yards in the rain, mind you. I know he didn't throw 30 passes in this game, but I don't care who you are. And a bunch of those were beyond... Um, I think four of those passes were beyond 10 yards. So I'm not just talking, we didn't just throw screens all day long. He, He just looked, and then his ability to slide in the pocket, once again, is just incredible. He makes himself small. Sometimes he turns, I don't know if you've seen this, but we have to come up with something for it. He does this like side shuffle where like he shifts his body and becomes like paper thin and then just like, does the electric slide? You're right. He
0: he <laughs> does have a certain elusiveness that that is unique, and you're. I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. Um, so just incredible for him. He didn't have a ton of production in the run game, but he kept the defense honest, showed that threat. Um, and I got I gotta be honest. You know there was you know the joking earlier uh, today on Twitter when I said after uh, with he when he came in. Was it the Miami game? If he was really going to change this offense and make it that much dramatically different, I'd eat my shoe. Well, I'm, I'm eating all of it because it just <laughs> continues to get, it just continues to get better. And, is that is
0: that a Nike you're working on over there?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I I usually don't do Nike. I, I'll try and find like well, maybe I'll do one. What's of my, the tastiest shoe you could eat? <laughs> I don't know. My daughters are really small right now, so <laughs> that may count. easier to ingest. <laughs> yeah, I only wear New Balance, so that I have a feeling those are too durable.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hooker had the two touchdowns. You mentioned the limited production on the ground. Twenty-seven yards in the ground. Uh, on what was it 20 carries a lot of carries for Hooker we'll talk about that in a minute Tavian went over 100 yards on 3 touches <laughs> i love that kid he was part of two really good plays cuz was it the kind of the reverse was yeah. that what it was with him with the run
1: there there was the reverse but the be- the best one was um amazing play call hats off to whoever had came up with it and, you know if it was Brad then it it, it was Brad uh it, where Hooker rolls out to the right. He throws the pass to the left down yes. to the sideline. Robinson catches it, makes two, if not three people miss in the open field, which is what if you remember to the offseason, that's what the coaches talked about over and over again was making people miss and gets his leg taken out from underneath him at the 1-yard line. Yeah. Incredible play. That was a great play
0: and it was reminiscent of the Sam Rogers play just a little because of that extra move on the two guys to, to break the tackles or whatever, where the stadium went from one level to the next level. And that's, that's what Gallo was talking about was his favorite play at tech was when Sam made that shake and bake and the whole stadium just went one level higher and they're cheering. And it, it was the exact same thing. And I love Tavion Robinson, man, and his production in the return game, Combined with what he can do receiving and rushing, he is everything we thought Sean Savoy could be. You know, Sean was really good running the ball sometimes, scored a couple touchdowns for us, like creative stuff. Tavion is like quicker, better, better hands. I just love everything about that kid. And he he's gonna be a stud for Virginia Tech, man. I I love Tavion Robinson. He had Keen, he had uh, two
1: two plays where he went thirty yards, yards after catch which if it's he and a couple other players Mitchell being one of them Keane had two where he had 14 yards after catch it, that is that is the difference in this offense in a lot of ways it's pretty amazing
0: yeah Keane is such a weapon both blocking and catching he is he's is a beast he makes on all the people always highlight this on Twitter. They, they cut out the video and they're like, look what Keen does here. And it's so true. He's like always doing the dirty work. And so he, even if his production isn't good for a game, he's making an impact. Almost every game. Turner had seven touches and a TD. I'm hoping he's okay after the uh, headshot that he took. And this is just a, a brief segue to talk about Narduzzi because they asked Narduzzi about the hit after the game. And he was like, I thought it was a good tackle or something like that. And, whatever. Even if you think that's a good tackle, that is not what you say. The The other kid on the other team is dealing with what probably is a concussion on a helmet-to-helmet hit by your guy who had a couple helmet-to-helmet hits in the game, and you say it's a good tackle. Narduzzi is just such a douche. He has no tact and very little class, and that commentary on that hit is an example. I understand. If you like the hit, that's fine. But there's a way to say it that – doesn't come across like you're douchebag.
1: He is. I I hate when these things kind of jump the shark and then everybody just gets on the bandwagon. But every year he just gets worse and worse. Between <laughs> all of that, the scrubbing the feet on the on the the hockey field paint over on the hockey oh, side.
0: Gosh, yeah, the kid, the kid before the game rubbing his feet on the turf of the end
1: zone. Yeah, the almost fight in the end zone. And then the locker room picture where they left the locker room, just an absolute mess and a chair snapped in half. How, what has to happen here where you guys just like realize you're just being assholes, just cut it out. What do you want to be like the most hated team? Is that the, is that the, the way that they want to be perceived? Because I understand there's one thing or two things, but it just keeps piling up every single time we play this team It's just the worst. When that happens after the game, all you need to say is, I really hope that he's he's all right. That's that's all a coach has to say is like, you know, I don't want to see a player get hurt. I I really hope he's all right. Don't address the hit. Don't just ignore it. You could
0: say, I disagree with the call, but I hope Turner's okay. That's it. You know, yeah. And the call, I think it could have gone either way. Honestly, I know it was a rough hit, but it was kind of the side of his helmet. And and but and that's fine. He could have talked about that a little bit too, but he didn't. Because he's a classless coach at a classless program. Because you were right, the locker room, the before that's the kid scraping his feet across the end zone, like what are you even doing? And some of the tweets afterwards were funny because like he's just outlining the number of points that they scored because he went around the O. <laughs> like that was pretty funny. Uh, let's just do a couple of negatives uh, before we get into the beer break and the next team because we got to move on to UVA. We're we're running out of time here. Um, I thought that the third down thing continues to be a problem. We're still only at 25% over the last four games now on third down. Yep. Grimsley on punt return. I, I know some of that was because the game was in hand, but yikes. Yikes, man. You cannot put him back there anytime that there's something important happening in a game. Like he is in his head. Grimsley cannot return a punt. It's Robinson's show. Just let him do it. I thought ball security, too many runs for Hooker and the refs. Those were my negatives. I, I, I. Just you can comment on any ones you want there.
1: No, I agree. Listen, Grimsley started off the season playing pretty well. And that, I I find it hard to judge people in that position because I can't think of another position that I would want to play less than than trying to return punts. That has to just be the scariest thing in the entire world with especially yeah. the size and the speed of people these days. And, you know, once you get into your head, it just gets it just gets worse. Uh, I can't imagine having to sit back there if you're not feeling confident. Uh, the third downs, we gotta figure out something there. I feel like it's gonna turn around at some point. It hasn't yet, so uh, I agree that with that. I, I didn't really have that much else on the negative side, as you would imagine in a in a shutout game and ball security. Yeah, but one turnover in terrible weather. We also forced four fumbles. We only recovered one of those, so yeah. we, we left some on the field there that we probably could have done a little bit better with. I, I don't have that much to say other than keep it rolling, guys. It's Yeah. Uh,
0: keep it rolling. And the, the, the hooker runs thing, uh, I know he had 20 carries. The weather was bad. He he doesn't carry the ball that much if if the weather's just a little bit better, uh, but I still think he he took a lot of shots, and yeah he is so valuable to this team. We know how much we need him. And I'm glad they got him out of there before it got too, too late in the game. And he looked fine on the sidelines. He was smiling and, you know, chatting it up with the other guys. So I'm um, he should be good to go for, but that was just, you don't want to see hooker take that many
1: hits. No. And then the last thing I'd say is Pitt's defense played. Well, if you watch the game, they were in oh, the yeah. backfield a lot. There was a lot of pressure. You can't, this was not against a bad defense. And you could see how talented this pit defense is. They were causing a lot of pressure, a lot of havoc in the backfield. Um, I think they had three or four sacks. It, this was a good defense that we went up against in the rain and still performed. That speaks volumes to to the production that they could have had if this was a good weather and a bad defense.
0: Yeah, and I, I particularly thought that on the Mitchell run, because we've seen that play. Lots, right? And I mean the execution was so perfect and even a great defense like Pitt wasn't even close to stopping that play. No. And so that that talk about speaking volumes, that spoke volumes to me. It was like, damn, we just owned them a great defensive team with the play we run all the time. I don't know what look we gave from the snap that was different than what they would should have expected, but man, it worked to perfection again. And I, I'm I'm psyched and I feel good about our prospects going into this next game. Let's take a quick beer break before we move on to UVA, though. Robbie, what are you drinking over there?
1: So we haven't had this on the podcast. I've talked to you about about this beer recently, the 75-minute IPA by Dogfish Head. I I was very surprised. I bought this for the first time because I just wanted to try it. I don't like the 60-minute that much. It's both the 60-minute the 90 minute feel more less you know IPA and they feel more like almost a brown ale i guess for both of those beers and the i, I kind of know what you mean yeah yeah and the 90 minute even is is you yeah, know so such high alcohol content it's intense you, it's hard to get through even you know one or two of those the 75 minute somehow splits both of those but then actually improves a lot on being a true IPA, at least in on my palate when I when I drink it. I like this beer a lot. I actually buy this when I'm at the store, just not for the podcast, just on my own. Now, I feel like Dogfish Head is not one of my favorite breweries. I love their, their pumpkin ale, but other than that, nothing I, I like too much, and this has kind of navigated the balance of, of those two beers, and I like it a lot.
0: I've never had the 75-minute. I've obviously seen it, and I just it's slipped through my fingers, I suppose. Because I agree with you for the most part on Dogfish; it's okay, and it used to be great when there were fewer choices. Yes, but now it's kind of taken a back seat to some other breweries. But uh, I'll have to try that seventy-five minute. I'm drinking the Ill Works Cafe Royale. You just had an Ill Works on the last podcast, and I don't know where this beer came from. It's sitting in my fridge. I, <laughs> I must have gotten it when I was down in Virginia, but. It's called the Aleworks Cafe Royale. It's an imperial coffee milk stout. So another Aleworks coffee beer, but it's aged in bourbon barrels. So this is this is your favorite kind of beer, yeah.
1: essentially. Yeah, you got to mail that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: is, uh, it's a little sweet, but I like that because sometimes these bourbon barrels are so, they're so strong that it's a little too intense for me. This one is... Illworks does it again. It's just a perfect balance. 8.4% alcohol. And you can kind of feel that after the first, you know, 10 minutes of drinking it. You gotta get that you feel that little heat in your cheeks, you know? <laughs> um, but it's very smooth and really, really tasty. The Illworks Cafe Royale. I would recommend this one for sure. That pit recap took a little bit more time than I thought because that was a very straightforward game, but it's still <laughs> You know, when you beat Pitt like that, it's hard not to elaborate on some of the points because we discussed how much we hated them last week. Now we're in what people actually call hate week. We are playing UVA, Black Friday, 12 p.m. on ABC. The winner of the Commonwealth Cup will win the Coastal. That is the third time that will be the case. The first two were 2007 and 2011 we won both of those games in Charlottesville. So I don't know if that's a good omen or a bad omen, but it sounds good to me. UVA is 8-3 and three on the season, 5-2 and two overall in the ACC. I'd say their best win was Pitt. Uh, and I guess their second best win was FSU. So if you think Wake is better than FSU, technically we have the better win on the season. What are your thoughts on UVA, just on the season as a
1: whole? It's a Jekyll and Hyde with, with these guys. So you have a 15 point loss to Notre Dame an eight point loss to Miami, a 34 point win over Duke, a seven point loss to an improving, uh, Louisville team, seven point win over UNC five point win over GT. And then you're losing to Liberty. And then they bounce back, uh, from being down. I think it was 14, nothing, if I'm not mistaken to beat them 55, 27, I don't know what we're getting week in, week out. I'm guessing if I went through all of the stats, most of that has to do with what Perkins is doing uh, on any given week.
0: Yeah, they crushed Duke, and and that's fine. And I know Duke beat us, but we all know that that was a different time in the season. This is going to tell the story of both of these team seasons. Like Everything that happens in this game, the result will be like, that team is good, that team is just okay. And, and and it hinges on this one game.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tale the of two very different perceptions of these teams. You have some people that are immediately just talking about Virginia, guys like Braden Gall, and he's recognized that Virginia Tech has come along, that we're always on the UVA train. He loves Perkins, he's always has, so that's kind of his, his narrative. And then you have a lot of the pole picks that have us you go into the Orange Bowl. It, it, it just depends on, on how you're looking at it. And the, the injuries for them on the defensive side, I think in the secondary, losing Bryce Hall, they lost Brenton Nelson for the season as well. Chris Moore went out their safety against Georgia Tech, but he's back now. I think he actually either played or in the last game, I'm pretty sure, uh, against Liberty, they've had some injuries on that side. That that said, I don't know what you noticed when you went through all the stats. How many linebackers does this team have? Is it like twenty five <laughs> linebackers? They've got
0: a lot of linebackers. Well, they play that that three four essentially. It, it's a little bit more complicated than that because they stand a linebacker up a lot and rush him like a D end, so that that changes it. But they have four what I saw really good linebackers uh, Zane Zandier, Jordan Mack Taylor. And what I thought going into the season was the scariest one in Charles Snowden. Mm-hmm. And they're all performing. You look at the numbers, you see two of them have 10 tackles for loss. Snowden has nine tackles for loss and Jordan Mack, 63 total tackles and 10 hurries. Like he's rushing the passer a lot. So that is their best group by a long shot. And it poses a problem for how we like to run our offense because a three4 defense against a team that has a running quarterback and tries to do some sweeps and stuff that can limit that quite a bit
1: yeah so the people that you just went through Snowden's been pretty productive but Max got seven and a half sacks Taylor's got five and a half sacks um you probably pronounced it the right Zane. Uh, Zandler has four and a half sacks. I think. I
0: think. I think it's Zandier, Zandier but I don't know.
1: <laughs> in any case, uh, but I think they they're up there. If they're not leading, they're close to the ACC in in sack count. It's been they've gotten into the backfield. They're eighth nationally in sacks per game. Yeah, they,
0: they are. They are more than up there. They're they're all the way up there. A little lower in tackles for loss per game. Twenty first in the country. But 32nd in the S&P, they're a very good defense and in an opponent-adjusted stat, that comes in pretty well. In a non-opponent-adjusted stat, yards per play, they're also 32nd. So we, we know what we're getting. We're getting a top 40 defense, and they're better against the run than the pass because of the injuries they've had in the secondary. They're a three-man D-line. It's an okay group. You got Eli Handback, who's been a solid presence year after year, seven and a half tackles for loss for him, four and a half sacks, Manny Alonso, another guy who's a junior, an experienced guy, and then a sophomore in Falmo that 5.5 tackles for loss. He's holding his own. The front seven, it's good. Where we can expose them is in the pass game because Hall, Nelson, Bratton, they're they're gone. They're done for the year. And Joey Blunt, is he's stepping up. He's second on the team in tackles at free safety three interceptions for him. But we can expose them. That's what the teams outside of Liberty were able to do the last few weeks.
1: Yeah. is going to have to flip the script on what we just did against this Pit team. And we're going to have to pass the ball well. And I think we have the, the threats. I do think with some of the speed that we're showing uh, with Mitchell in the run game, he's running more kind of... Um, shorter yardage uh, type plays, but I, I think that's really I think we gotta have to spread them out a, a little bit. Granted, with the the four linebacker setup, that's gonna be a little bit more difficult. It's the pass game has to be maybe not on point, but it has to be much improved and much more of a focal point for for our offense if we're gonna do damage and expose what really is their weakness after you know losing some guys to injury
0: you know how many short passes we've seen the last few weeks with hooker at the helm is this a game where you think they take a few more deep shots I feel like they almost have to and i I agree with you that we're gonna have to use the speed of Trey's healthy and tavian go in side to side a little bit with those guys and then maybe trying to hit hazelton deep or hit trey deep like you, this is a team that that strategy changing up the game plan a little bit will be effective and and to the uh to the coordinator and the head coach's credit. They've come up with some good game plans the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, I I don't know that we're going to air it out a ton more statistically than you've seen it, the the pit game you kind of have to wash that out. The weather was not conducive to what anything that you would see in a normal pass offense. I I think it's just a little bit deeper. You got to take And it really depends on what they're doing with the linebackers. If they're dropping them back into coverage, it's going to change where we're going to be attacking the field. So uh, honestly, when I, when I look at the stats and the production for this offense, it's really come to the yards after, after catch. And that was something that was lacking so hard for, for this team for a while. So where can we create space? I think it's in that kind of 10 to 12 yards downfield type area, not not throwing 25, 30-yard bombs, you know, know, once a series for this offense, but finding those gaps in the middle, which is going to be difficult. I mean, these are really good linebackers, but they're also very good linebackers at crowding the line of scrimmage. I don't know necessarily that I would think of them the same way as a Bud Foster defense in terms of them playing in pass coverage and being that much of a threat in pass coverage. That didn't stand out to me as much as you don't want to be running it up the middle against this team.
0: No, you don't want to do that. And the one thing they do with their linebackers when, when they bring them up to the line of scrimmage is they can knock a lot of passes down. That's something that this defense has done a couple of years now. And that's how they cover, you know, they come in, they get their hands up. This is, this is I said this against Pitt. I don't exactly know how they're going to attack it, but it's weird to say this now. Is that I have faith that they're going to come up with a great game plan to figure out a way to score some points. I, I like UVA's defense. I think it's good. It's not as good as Pitt's defense on paper, and I know they're going to be fired up. But we're gonna we're gonna be able to move the ball. We're gonna be able to get some touchdowns. So I, I feel okay about that side. I want to go back to Perkins real quick because uh, just to to flesh out the offense just a little bit more. He's a very good player. He has 24 total TDs, but he has been sacked 34 times on the season. They pass it a lot. He's 14th nationally in passes per game. I I wouldn't have expected it to be that high, but that's one of the reasons the sack rate is so high because they're dropping back an awful lot. They have a very minimal, typical run game. He's the one that's getting the rushing yards. He's their leading rusher.
1: Yeah, outside of him, they have um, (laughs) – Wayne Tua Palapa? go go after tu <laughs> tu Palapa. I think I I'm probably pretty close there uh talapapa Tala talapapa yeah we'll go with that <laughs> uh but he's under 400 yards and after that they have nobody it, it drops off dramatically after Perkins and and him so I totally agree they have been relying on the pass and and relatively successfully, but it's really those two. And if you can shut that down, which if Bud is continuing to, to bring this much heat on the quarterback and in the run game, I think they should be able to. It's really just going to come down to the secondary for us. And they're playing very well right now. I, they have ton of credit to the coverage, the schemes the shifting, the passing off of players, the communication in the backfield. So they are playing into one of the strengths of this team right now, at least what we saw the past couple weeks.
0: This is similar to Wake in that they have multiple options in the passing game in Dubois, Jana, and Reed. They're all weapons that, that can make a lot of plays. And I love Waller and I love Farley. And I think the way Connor has been going... I'm not – I think this is playing into a strength for us, you know? And Perkins, it, he's going to be pissed after last year. I mean, he f- he literally fumbled the game away. Yeah. So you know he's going to be trying to put that to bed and come out and play really well. I don't know if he has the weapons to do it. The running game, we talked about it. The passing game is good, but our, our secondary, I think, can match them. I'm excited to see how we defend Perkins. I don't want him to go off in the run game. That is the X factor that is so hard to account for because if UVA goes three and four wide and spreads the field and creates space and then he starts scrambling, he can rip off a 60-yard run like that. That's my fear. Yeah. Absolutely. That is the thing, just like with Pickett and even going back to the Georgia Tech game, that was the fear. But did we
1: see that? No, we we didn't, but I think you would agree Perkins is probably, I'm trying to going back through our games, he's probably the biggest run threat of quarterback that we've seen and played against this season.
0: Other, Yeah, I'd say outside of like Furman, yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember we were talking about Furman's quarterback a lot. But yeah, this is a step up in competition. So yeah, Dubois, Jana, Reed, and Perkins. Those are the guys you have to worry about in this game. And even their tight end Crowley, we've we've seen tight ends giving us problems. So they're going to put pass catchers on the field, and they're going to throw it 35, 40 times probably. And so it's going to be a long day for our defensive backfield, but I think they're up to the challenge.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this game. I don't see Bud deviating from what he has been doing as of late, which is just bringing heat. So if if we get beat, it's going to be deep passes over the top on single coverage and that that's going to be the problem Uh, i i i'm willing to take that gamble i think that's probably the way bud's gonna go is he's seen it be successful the players are bought in they're getting into the backfield they're causing pressure i think he's gonna he's gonna bring the heat again in this game if nothing else it's his last game against uva you think he's gonna sit back in coverage and and let them try and you know dink and dunk the not ball around. There's no way. Not
0: not a chance. And and if you look at just a, a one key stat here, UVA 115th in sacks per game. There, Perkins is holding on to the ball a little too long at times, trying to make something happen with his legs, and then he gets sacked. Right, we're 12th in sacks per game nationally. So exactly what is our strength? And Bud is going to dial up is their weakness. They have a bad offensive line. Yeah. And so that that bodes really well.
1: I think Did you have another point you wanted
0: to say that? I think
1: 3 is the key for me. 3 interceptions in this game is probably what <laughs> I would expect. I'm not I'm not That's not a joke. That's honest to God, truth. That's what I'm anticipating from these defensive backs because of what you just said. Perkins trying to make something happen. If we can get some pressure, if we can play contain, where he's stuck in the middle and he's trying to do something with his arm and makes a bad decision, I think he's going to end up paying for it. So if we're less than that, this game's going to be tough. I think if we hit the three number, which I'm anticipating, then this is going to be golden. I know that's a lot of interceptions. I think if if we
0: didn't even hit that number, uh, we could be golden. And, hey, we've gotten a defensive touchdown in three out of the last four games. Think about that. So they're going to be ball hawking. They're going to be trying to force fumbles. And we know he can do that. And we know he can throw the occasional interception too. So I love the confidence there. I don't expect them to score too much period. And as long as we contain his legs, like you said, they'll have a few big plays. We can keep them to the 14, 13 point mark. I, I really, I really believe that. I'm worried about our run game in this one. Could be a lot of tough running. I mean, but we did a lot of tough running against Pitt. McLeese was was tough up the middle. Had a lot of bruising runs, and it, it was enough to get us first downs and you know keep the time of possession and the clock going. We need to break a couple, just like that Tavian play. We gotta break a couple big plays, and if Hooker stands in there, he could have a nice day passing against the secondary. He really could.
1: I'm a little bit worried about the emotions going into this game with how much is on the line we're still relatively young i'm a little bit worried about that emotion playing into the hands of UVA uh, and i don't want to see that happen i i think of this as a this is a business trip right we're going to charlottesville to the do what we always playing. do yeah to do what we always do don't get sucked into it i if he i don't want to see the chirping at the 50 yard line any of that just go up handle your business and get out i i think it is worse for us if we let the emotions take over because we shouldn't have any emotion we have beat them 15 times in a row right this is just another trip to charlottesville any emotion is just going to end up helping uva in this game yep. just go up play do what you can do and uh, outside of of perkins i think I would take all of our play Perkins is amazing. And I'm not saying I would take him over hooker. I'm saying that he's, he's talented and you have to recognize that I would take all of our players pretty much over theirs. Um, and I would say Bryce hall, if he was still on their team and still playing, you know, wasn't injured, then maybe I would swap him onto our side, but I feel great about the guys that we got and what we can do.
0: Don't turn the ball over. Be my last point. (laughs) And if we don't turn the ball over or maybe even just turn it over once, we'll win the game. Just don't screw it up. And the thing you said about emotions, I- I'm with you. It's controlled emotion, right? Because they're going to be fired up. Fuentes is going to get them fired up and motivated. But it's controlled emotion because this is what we do. We beat UVA. They want so badly to beat us that we want them to do the overreaction, the over-emotion, the quite frankly, what they did last year, the the choking that they did, you know, and, and we got out to a big lead because they weren't ready for the moment. They came back and then we beat them again. You know, that's what happened last year. And this year let's, let's not mess around. Okay. Let's go out there. Let's play like we've played the last two weeks. And this, I know they're a better team than what we've seen against Pitt and, and GT and wake, but not much better than the top end of those teams and we've owned those teams. So just go out and do it again.
1: Cause That's I know that this team can couldn't agree more. And I do think wake has a, a pretty good offense. I know where they haven't played. So we also broke them a little bit. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sage
0: Surratt got hurt. Like it, it,
1: it screwed up their season a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But we contained, I think wakes offense is better than UVA's offense. Uh, if I was gonna if I was gonna pick two teams and and go with the one side of the ball, I would pick Wake's offense, and we handled business absolutely. against them. So absolutely, we can do it. Contain Perkins, cause disruption when they're passing, and don't turn over the football. I think are three really good, simple, may seem stupid, but pretty easy keys to see what's going to happen with the result of this game.
0: Before we get to the picks, I actually did write down this special teams note. They have an okay kicker, and Joe Reed, the wide receiver, he is a threat in the kick-return game. Not the punt-return game, but on kickoffs. So he has two touchdowns. Try to The coverage unit has been very good for us, but that's just one way. We talked about margin areas. That's one way that like they could potentially – beat us is if they get a kick return so let's just keep an eye out for that
1: go gunner go go or go that's uh it's all word. <laughs> that's what we need
0: all right i want to do a quick beer break before we move on to the picks robbie you're going beerless for this one
1: i am i have a beer but it's the same one that i had before i didn't pick up another one sorry we're We're not doing great, but it's also getting increasingly harder as we approach 400. (laughs) It's late in the season. (laughs) As as we approach 400 beers, it gets harder and harder to find one that we haven't had on the podcast. I don't like re-reviewing them.
0: And I'm drinking a beer that I've had in my fridge for a couple weeks. It's, It's a pumpkin beer. It is Thanksgiving week. It is the holiday of pumpkin pie, and so I felt like it was appropriate. It's called the Yunkin Pumpkin by Yunk Brewery, and yeah, I'm drinking a beer that none of y'all are gonna be able to get. But it, I just drank an ale works, so or I'm trying to do a balance here. The Yunkin Pumpkin from Philly, Yunk, Philly, pumpkin ale with spices, five point five percent alcohol. It is light, but it is that's can be refreshing sometimes to the pumpkin beers because they get overrun with the sweetness. Or just being a little too heavy, and this one is not that. And Maniunk, if you're ever up in this area, it's it's a cool brewer. They have a lot of beers, and some of the some of the stuff they put out is really tasty. But I'm enjoying this pumpkin beer tonight. Will you be drinking pumpkin beer over the holiday, Robbie?
1: Probably not. I'll probably be going with IPA. We're not. I try and spread the love when we're on the podcast as best I can, but likely gonna gravitate back. And all my family drinks IPAs mostly, so. I might grab like a sixer of a pumpkin beer. I don't eat pumpkin pie either, so that's that's oh, a man. hot take. I'm
0: a I'm a huge pumpkin pie fan.
1: What's your number one
0: pie then? Or do uh, you lemon are meringue. you a cake guy? This is the old TKP pie or cake.
1: Yeah, exactly. That we're about to get into hot water here. Uh, I go lemon meringue. I'm a big tart. Oh, wow. I'm, well, it's the same reason like I like Tangere. Uh, like when I drink gin and tonics, I like IPAs. There's a certain palette that I have that, and, and I like sour stuff. So I eat sour candy, I eat, and that's, that's really all I do. I don't, chocolate stuff, I don't really do, except when I'm drinking beer.
0: I love apple pie, cherry pie, uh, but I think pumpkin is my number one pie. I really do love pumpkin
1: pie. There you go.
0: All right. Picks. We're going to start with Rivalry Week. Uh, let's go to South Carolina. Clemson at South Carolina. Number three Clemson is 26-point favorites on the road. Uh, you know, we probably shouldn't even pick this game, it's, but South Carolina did beat Georgia earlier this year,
1: so y- you never know. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson to cover. <laughs> I went Clemson as well. <laughs> I got the, the, the one time I didn't do Clemson, they ended up making me embarrassed. I was on... The cover three where they have like their theses and that mm-hmm. the, that they bet all season. I had that going with Clemson. The one time I went away from it, they won by forty points or whatever the case was.
0: Yeah, and SC they, they caught lightning in a bottle, but they're not a very good team. And we want if we if we do end up playing Clemson, obviously we want them to cover against SC. We don't want them to have any thoughts in their mind or extra chips on their shoulder that they they need to play harder (laughs) in the ACC title game. So I'm rooting for Clemson to cover on that one. FSU at Florida. Florida's number 11. I'm using the college football playoff rankings from last week, uh, so they're not up to date because we don't have them yet. Florida's number 11. They are 17-point favorites at home. I know it's a rivalry, but, man, it's tough to pick FSU right now. Their interim coach is doing pretty good, though.
1: I'm going FSU, but I totally agree with you. It it was it was very difficult to go that direction. Florida is a much better team. FSU is playing better though, so I'm solely relying on a 17-point spread in a rivalry game. Man.
0: I'll take Florida. Don't feel great. Next game, Cincy at Memphis. These are two of these ranked teams I was talking about. Memphis is 11-point favorites, despite the fact they're only one spot apart from each other in the rankings.
1: I This is so frustrating that I would pick Memphis in almost every single way. I think Memphis is definitely going to win this game. I think Cincy is good, not as good as their ranking, not nearly as good as their ranking. Memphis is going to end up winning by 10 and I'm going to look like an idiot, but I'm totally on the Memphis train. So I'm sticking with it and they'll yeah, probably win by 10 and I'll lose.
0: Cincinnati has not been playing well the last few weeks. They, they messed around with South Florida. They beat temple by two, which Hey, anyone over temples, a good win. That's a, that's a tough team, but they're not playing like a team that's 10 and one. And so, I'm just going to take Cincinnati because I think they're going to finally be fired up about a game because I feel like they've had all these games kind of waiting for the big game. I'll take Cincy just because of that 11-point margin like you talked
1: about. And the thing with that is they have to go back the next week and play each other oh again. Oh, my God. So, so dumb. They're, they have to play each other again, and whoever wins this game gets whole home field advantage. So keep that and, in mind. And
0: that's so weird too because you have to beat the team twice – back to back weeks to win the conference title. Like how dumb is that? Yeah. Um it's just it's weird that they scheduled two teams from different divisions on the last week of the season. That 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 was
1: on the AAC. They probably shouldn't have. Good done that. teams that they scheduled. Yeah. It's not like a cakewalk. So.
0: Next game is the game. Ohio State at Michigan. Ohio State coming off the big win over Penn State. Nine-point favorites in the big house.
1: This one, I watched most of the Ohio State game with my wife in Blacksburg at Mellow Mushroom. And it it was close there for a little bit. I know Ohio State pulled away. There was the fumbles and some things. Justin Fields couldn't hold on to the ball. Things... This I feel like is going to be a push. I feel like nine is a perfect spread. Once again, Vegas does it. This is the lowest total I've seen for an Ohio State game
0: all year, yeah. and that's a credit to Michigan. They have been playing really
1: well. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Ohio State. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan.
0: Not only to go Oppo you, but I just feel like. There's a reason that spread is under 10 because literally every Ohio State spread has been like two touchdowns or more, um, and it's in the big house. And if Harbaugh can't cover, after all these years, he's gonna have a freaking problem on his hands. Yeah,
1: so, it's gonna uh, be in a bad way. He'll he'll be out within a year and a half, maybe not, maybe not. Soon. It,
0: I, I think I think Harbaugh can cover, even though I don't I don't love him. I think he can cover in this one. Next game, Wisconsin at Minnesota. I think this is for... Is this for the other title? Yes. uh, Yeah. So 12, Wisconsin. Going to number 10, Minnesota. Two and a half point favorites are the Badgers. I'm going to take... Gosh, giving me points at home. I'll take Minnesota, but I I don't know what's going to happen in this game.
1: I don't know either. And Minnesota, people thought they were a fraud... They showed they weren't against Penn State. That Penn State just gave Ohio State at least a run for their money in the first half. That Wisconsin run game, I guess I'm just hoping for like bad weather. That's that's all I'm hoping for. Because if there is, that's going to lean very hard towards Wisconsin and their run game. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, the running back for Wisconsin... Didn't he just set like the like one like a rushing record? He has some un- absurd. Jonathan Taylor Jonathan has been Taylor.
0: shattering like every single record. I feel like yeah,
1: uh, and I feel like it's a boring offense, not too dissimilar to some other teams like Georgia that have struggled with boring offenses. But I like that run game. I'm just going to hope for snow or anything that can happen, sleet, frogs. You know, anything that could come down from the sky.
0: You know, Minnesota's only two wins away from being in the college football
1: playoff. I know. It's pretty incredible.
0: <laughs> like, that, I'm being dead serious. I like know. If they beat Wisconsin and then they were to beat Ohio State, like, they'd be in the playoff. And that that's kind of insane.
1: Yeah, good for them. I love it.
0: Ne- <laughs> Unlikely, but possible. Next game, Bama at Auburn. This is the other big game of the weekend. Number five, Bama going to Auburn. Four-point favorites for the Crimson Tide. No Tua in this one.
1: I'll take Auburn at home. I'm going to take Bama. I said Bama would score 75 last week. They only scored, what, 60 or something along those lines?
0: (laughs) Western Carolina,
1: yeah. Yeah. They need every style point that they can get in order to get in. It has to happen in this game. So I think they can cover the four. I don't think they're Auburn's defense's. Really good. So I don't think they're going to make it you know, 21 points, but I think they can get over the four
0: hump. I don't know why I saved this one last. I, I probably should have saved Ohio State and Michigan for last, but Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma still has the outside chance of getting into the playoff. They're number nine, and they'll be moving up because of the Oregon loss. They're 12.5-point favorites at Oklahoma State.
1: I have Oklahoma State because Oklahoma has shown no ability recently to beat anybody no. by more than three points. <laughs> and their I think,
0: defense is struggling and their offense is, has sputtered for sure lately. Yeah.
1: And Jalen hurts is turning the ball over way too much. So that's, I don't know much about Oklahoma state other than I know more about Oklahoma and it hasn't looked great.
0: No, I'm going to take Oklahoma state as well. And I I don't. They could they could win. They could win straight up. That that would probably be a fairly solid money line play this weekend. Would be the Oklahoma State because you're getting twelve and a half points. That that usually leads to like a like a plus three fifty or something on a money line. Yeah. So that 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 might not be a bad play in a rivalry game, that but
1: could be a good payout.
0: But yeah, that, that's that's it for the picks I had this week. You, you got North Carolina playing NC State. You obviously got. Our game, which I think I saw the line was a pick'em, and now it's three.
1: It's moved around a little bit. It, it jumped from minus two Virginia Tech. Then I think it, some places it got up to plus one, and now you're saying it's minus three Virginia Tech. Is that right? Or are you saying?
0: It is. Yeah, it was two and a half earlier today. I saw it at three before we started, so it, it's it's moving a little
1: bit. Yeah, it's got. I mean, that's a lot of movement to swing that that far back and forth. So I'm not picking it. <laughs> I know, I know. I w- I would,
0: I would say I was surprised that at, at the pick just because of what we've been doing the last few weeks. I would just think that it would have never started at a pick'em. I, I would have thought we would have started as a two and a half point favorite to begin with, and then maybe it stuck right around, you know, two and a half to four and a half or something like that. But I do think Virginia Tech will win. I said that last week against Pitt, and I feel that way now. Uh I don't feel as good about the cover as I did against Pitt, but it's two and a half. So, if I think we're going to win, then yeah, I think we're going to cover. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't think you're going to get a one point win too often. You usually think you're going to win by a field goal. So, I, I just, it's hard when you've watched the way we've played to not think we're going to go out and handle our business.
1: Well, and I, I don't think a lot of people have watched the way that we've played because even in the way, even when we're playing well, the games have. Haven't been either accessible because they're on the ACC network, not everybody gets uh-huh. that, and Or they've been uninteresting because it's a shutout, so nobody's flipping on the game to actually watch what's happening. They're just looking at the box score at the end, and the box not scores many people, are not that compelling, quite. And they don't tell I mean, if you the looked whole story. at the last
0: box score, it's like 260 yards to 177 yards. Pitt VT was 28 nothing. No one on a national level in texas is tuning into that game thinking oh this will be interesting like not at all yep and we've seen that in the national podcast and their perspective on virginia tech and that we have gotten no coverage for three weeks no one is even mentioning hendon hooker's name in a lot of the national podcasts that we listen to they talk a little bit about Virginia Tech, and I'll give Chip Patterson credit because he is the ACC guy. He's like the North Carolina guy. He always talks about ACC, Coastal, and he's mentioned us a bunch of times. Braden Gall has done it a couple times. But no one is talking about Chamari Connor or Farley or Waller or Crawford. No one is talking about Virginia Tech in depth at all. And that's fine I because w- I, it's been working. But at some point, you have to acknowledge the fact that Henan Hooker has 179 passer rating. I mean, he is kicking so much ass, and our defense has back-to-back shutouts. Eventually, someone's going to take notice, right?
1: Yeah. It's a lot of hand-waving on the national perspective. Even the people that bring up Virginia Tech, it's just its box score. It's Nobody's watching the games. Nobody's paying attention to it. Bren Gall said in two podcasts ago, the ACC struggling from, you know, uh, from he said, name a player on Virginia Tech's roster. And that's what he said. You can't. You can't name a player on Virginia Tech's roster. Somebody we, we have a player that is a five time all ACC linebacker right? in like yeah. this season. Hendon Hooker, he's he's undefeated as a starting quarterback like <laughs> these are ridiculous. not hard things to look up like if you yeah. follow any twitter feed you can find I, I know more about michigan state than they know about virginia tech and it, it's incredible that it yeah, just
0: it just proves how much early season success or failure dictates your national coverage yep yeah. and, and that's a little bit unfortunate but it's okay because if we beat uva Will be in the ACC title game and will be ranked in all the polls, and people will have to pay attention and they will have to be like, "Oh, they have a quarterback who's undefeated, who's you know thrown no interceptions and blah 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 blah," and I'm not saying that we need the notoriety. I'm just saying to be nice if the national people would acknowledge the fact that we're playing pretty damn well, yeah, and that we're the ACC isn't a complete joke outside of Clemson, like. There is a team that is kicking ass week in and week out, and it's us, <laughs> and it feels pretty good. Are you Are you pumped? Like, what, what are your plans for the game?
1: I, I don't have I don't have much. People want to go out to to the bars and stuff. It, it's just difficult, right? It's It's after I, I'm hosting Thanksgiving at my house, so I'm still gonna have people here and saying peace out to my wife and my kid and family that are in my house and trying to go watch the game somewhere. It, that's not going to happen. So well, I, you got
0: the nice bar set up downstairs yeah. so you can pop the game
1: on. Yeah, so I do have the bar in the basement so that that'll be nice, but it it's I think it's it's unfortunate in the way that it played out. I think it would be nice to get some eyeballs on the game. But like I said last time, I don't really care about the eyeballs on the game. People aren't watching it anyway. But I, I listen to enough national podcasts to recognize that with people that yeah, are well right. that who cares because I just care about Virginia tech fans and UVA fans watching the game because that's the fun part.
0: Well, I just know that every year after Thanksgiving, I end up seeing way more of Nebraska and Iowa than I want to, because because that's the game that's always on, on black Friday, like in the middle of the day, it's that and like Texas, Texas tech or something like that. And, it's going to be our game this time. Yeah. So there will be the casual fans watching. Uh, I just want to go to the, I want to beat UVA. I want to go to the ACC title game so bad. I want to go to the orange bowl so bad. Like what, what a finish that would be to the turnaround that we've seen. And, and uh I know we've had a friend or two text, text us about going to the orange bowl. If we make it like people are excited, people are very excited about this turnaround and Hokies travel well. And, they want to travel yes. to a nice bowl game. Yeah. We all want to.
1: Especially with the turnaround that's happened over the course of the season. And for me, it's even bigger than that. And we have a, a long offseason ahead of us. But I haven't stopped talking about uh, this team and their prospects for the future. So if, if they can do even half of what I think they're capable of – This is going to be a very exciting off-season, and I don't think you're going to have to worry about hearing about the Hokies uh, in this (laughs) off-season if anybody has the ability to access the Internet.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, we will cut it off there. Thanks for listening if you made it this far. We are going to play the Tech Triumph version at the end of the podcast, but you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, 2DVT at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything cool or uh, have any questions for us. And then uh, it's 2 Deep VT on Instagram. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I think I think that about covers it. Uh, I am excited. I cannot wait till Friday. Like I'll be at the bar at eleven thirty. Uh, probably out in Jersey. We're you know going out for the. My wife's family lives out there, and hopefully have a couple buddies in tow and hit the bar early. And hopefully at four o'clock that day, we'll all be smiling. And until next time, go Hokies.